The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. In this journey of faith, each and every one of us is called to a unique and original adventure. We each have our own footprints we are called to leave upon this earth. The scriptures make clear that every story of faith is completely original. Each calling is unique. The great writer is writing a story with our lives, a story that ties into his good story. May we discover a vision for our lives that unlocks that true and unique purpose to which we've been placed upon this earth to walk in. May we get onto our hearts what God has on his. May we all discover our calling. As we continue our conversations on what it means to be called, I want to remind us of one of our basic callings as disciples is to care. We are called to care, to care for others, to care for the things that God cares for. And today we're going to look back at a a pretty well-known story called The Good Samaritan. The book of 1 Peter chapter 2.21 is the key verse for this, this series we're doing. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. Last week we talked about what it means to be a disciple, that we are called to be a disciple and to disciple others. A big part of discipleship is loving and caring for others. Jesus, on the night before he was arrested, washed his own disciples' feet. And he said, now you should go and do likewise. As I've loved, as I've cared for you, as I've provided for you, as I've taken care of you, as I've met your needs, you should go and do likewise. Uh, Jesus said, by this, others will know you are my disciples, by your love for one another. Love is a verb. It's not just a a, a feeling. Love is an action. And when we put love into action, it's called care. And so today I want you to look at me uh, as we look at this story. Um, uh, One of the religious leaders of the day, an expert in the religious law, uh, heard Jesus uh, teaching and, and questioned him, debated with him, saying, you know, uh, of all the laws, what, what's the greatest? And Jesus said, you tell me, sum up all the laws. And the summary of all the laws is to number one, love God with all that we are, all our, all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second greatest commandment is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so this, this um, man wanting to argue and push the issue with Jesus um, said, well, then, who exactly is my neighbor? You see, look at uh, John. Uh, excuse me, Luke, chapter ten, verse twenty-nine. But he, the expert in the law, desiring to justify himself—that's a key phrase there—desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, "And who is my neighbor?" And so that's where we're going to dive in today. You see, as disciples, we are called to a number of things. We're called to to live a life of 
of pursuit of holiness and living like Jesus lived. And in that process, we are called to love and to care for others. The word disciple is kaleo. We are called. We are called out. We are set apart for a purpose. And one of the things we're called to is to care. Philippians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, Paul said this of his dear, dear, beloved disciple, a spiritual son, if you will, a young man named Timothy. And he said this in Philippians chapter 2, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. Now that's a sad statement when you think about it. Paul was on journeys, planning churches, and, and, and to raise up leaders and and one of his travel mates, this young man, Timothy, he took under his umbrella, under his wing, and he brought him along on mission. And he said of Timothy, there's nobody who cares more. Nobody who cares as deeply, as genuinely as Timothy. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus. Let that not be true of us. And my hope is that as I share these messages with you, that we are not only hearing and understanding our calling, but then we are then acting as disciples should. That we, like Timothy, would genuinely care for those that God has put around us. Not just care for their souls, but to care for their well-being. That we would pray for the city where God has sent us. That we would love our neighbors and pray for them. And again, not just that they would be converted, but that they would be cared for, that their needs would be met. I'm reminded of a, of a story I heard a youth pastor say. He said, you know, when he first started working for this church, there was this young, troubled, a troubled young man. And so he decided to give this young man some attention. And he took him out for some extra outings and spent time with him and and finally got to a point where he presented the gospel to him. And, and the, the, the young man looked at the youth pastor and said, do you really care about me? Or do you simply just want me to pray a prayer with you so that you can count me as another convert on your list? That's a sad statement. And to be honest, far too often that can be true. And many times as churches, all we care about is numbers and not necessarily about the hurting, not about compassion, not about life change. And this is what God calls us to, to not just reach out to people to hopefully see that they will come to know the love of Jesus. But in the process, we are meeting their needs. We are doing what we can to Help them see and feel and experience the love of Christ. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And so are we demonstrating the love of Jesus and showing care? Simply put, to say that we care, but not to act, is to not care at all. Let me say that a number of times for you today. To say that we care, but not act, is to not care at all. 
You see, we get this idea from the word for compassion. I've taught on this before. The word for compassion is splagdazomehi. It's one of the funnest words in Greek to say. Splagdazomehi is the Greek word for compassion. And it means to yearn from deep within, to yearn from your bowels. Have you ever seen somebody hurting and it moved you on the inside? You, you hurt, you ached for them. This kind of care moves us to action, to not just see someone and have, have, have pity on them, but to be willing to do something about it. As we look to our, our master, our rabbi, our teacher, our savior and Lord Jesus Christ, every time you see Jesus in scripture and the word in English, we see compassion. If you do a quick word study, and I, I encourage you to, to dive into scripture in this way. Understanding the word compassion means to move us to action. Every time you see Jesus in scripture and the word compassion associated with him, we always see action. Let me give you a couple examples. In Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus landed and got out of the boat, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion and he healed their sick. He didn't just look at them and say, oh, I'll pray for you and be on his way. He took time to do what he could to heal their sick. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, Jesus had, here's that word again, compassion on them. And he touched their eyes, those who were blind, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. In Mark chapter 6, 33 through 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So like Jesus, our, my hope and prayer is that our eyes, our hearts would be open to see things the way that he sees them. And to be willing to be moved to action the way that he wants us to be moved to action. Um, the truth is, again, to say that we care and not act is to do nothing at all. You see, I love the kind of church that we're a part of. And I'm going to get into this a little bit more. But during my talk, you might hear some interruptions. Um, down below at the Hope House, we have products being delivered almost daily now food items coats clothing people being moved to action to respond to the known needs of the people in our community to say that we care and not act is to not care at all but for those of you who are acting i want to say a huge thank you to each of you let's dive in and keep seeing what jesus is leading us to see you see, the closer we draw to Jesus, as we become more like him as disciples, the closer I get to Christ, the more I will care about the things that he cares for. And the more I care about the things he cares for, the closer I will get to Jesus. Does that make sense? The closer I want to get to Christ, he's going to begin to open my eyes to see things the way he sees them, to, to care for the things that he cares for. And the more that I walk in his footsteps and follow him, the more I will become like him. 
And the same is true in the flip side. If I pull away from Jesus, I will begin to care less about others and the things that are important to him and more about my own needs, my own desires, my own selfish agenda. The closer I get to him, the more I'll care for the things he cares for. The more I pull away from him, the more the focus will shift to myself. I love um, the message Gary uh, loaded this past week. The, in the word obedience, um, in the middle is the word die. In order to truly obey Christ and live for him, we have to learn to die. In the middle of the word die is the letter I. We must learn to die to I. Die to self. Take the focus off of ourself and caring for our own needs and instead walking in obedience to care and love others. To say that we care and not act is to not care at all. And so Jesus, when pushed by this religious leader of the law, this expert of the law, he wanted to justify himself because, you know, in that culture, there were people who were worth loving. And simply put, there were people who weren't worth loving. In this religious culture, there were, there were people who were sinful and to be put out of the city. There were half-breeds called Samaritans who Jews literally would walk out of their way around a city to not have to cross paths with Samaritans. And so when pushed by this religious leader of the law, Jesus so keenly tells the story that we've come to know called the Good Samaritan. Let's look at it again. So as Jesus dives into this story, this religious leader pushes back, desiring to justify himself to Jesus. And he says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, let me just pause for a minute. This was like a 17 mile road. A group of us were able to be there a little over a year ago. And it's very windy, very steep, a lot of rocky terrain. Um, and there's a 17-mile stretch where robberies, muggings, would typically happen because it was uh, in between two big cities, not a lot of people there, a lot of blind turns and, and places for, um, for, for villains to hide, and people would be jumped and mugged. So Jesus is telling this story about this time. This man fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. So then, verse 31, a priest, modern terms, a pastor, somebody like myself, comes walking by and happens to go down the same road, and he sees the young man, but he doesn't stop and help. The passage tells us what? He passed by on the other side. So it's very possible this man had uh, a very busy schedule. Maybe he had a family he had to get back to quickly. Maybe he was on his way to a wedding ceremony. Maybe there was something important. But what happens here, regardless of the reason, is this priest, this pastor in that time frame, instead of helping this man, passes by on the other side. 
You know, when I stop and think about it and just thought about what might have went through this man's mind, it might have been that he was just so busy and he had to get on about things. It might have been that he thought that if he messed with this man, he might have been ceremonially unclean and unable to perform whatever duty he may have had to perform later that day. It may have been that he thought this man was maybe a faker, a con artist. Have you ever driven up to a corner and you've seen somebody holding uh, a sign or somebody ever approached you in a parking lot and, and, and they don't speak, they just have you read a letter that says, I, I can't speak English, but I have children and I need food and milk for them. Can you spare $5? Have you ever seen those signs and wondered if these people were con artists? Have you ever wondered that maybe they were faking? If I'm honest with you, I've, I've had that thought a few times. And that I, I don't, I'm embarrassed to say that, that, that because of that thought, sometimes I have just passed to the other side and not done what I probably should have done. Here, the man passes to the other side. And then look, another religious leader of the time, somebody who was in charge of taking care of some of the duties in the temple, uh, a Levite, verse 32. So too, a Levite comes and when he comes to the place where the man is and sees him, he also passes by on the other side. You see, regardless of the circumstances, we will always have an excuse to justify not getting involved. Let that not be the case for us. There's always going to be a reason for us to just cross over to the other side. But my hope is that our hearts would be pierced, that we would truly begin to see people the way Jesus sees them. That's the purpose of this story Jesus is telling. Because the truth is, is to say that we are a people who care, but we don't act, is to not care at all. So how do we, how do we begin to put... Uh, into practice what compassion really is. I think part of it is getting an understanding of, of what compassion is and, and what it invites us into. And so I want to give us just real quickly three things that we need to learn about compassion. Number one, compassion interrupts. And sometimes that can be very frustrating. I, I'm the first to admit that I have a very busy schedule I have things that happen often, and when, when interruptions come, they can be very annoying. They can be sometimes off-putting. They can make you feel frustrated. But I, I want to confess and repent that God would help me to eliminate that feeling in my mind. And instead, I would see things the way uh, that he wants me to see them. Sometimes life's interruptions are God's divine opportunities. Compassion interrupts. For the Jews, Samaritans were not people they associated with. They would, like I said, they would avoid them. But look at the person that Jesus points at. He points at a Samaritan as the person that they should set their eyes on as an example. And Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. Well, look at this, verse 33 with me. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, 
came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he had, what's the word? Compassion. This man who sees the Jews and says, the Jews see me as the enemy, doesn't even think twice about that. This man goes out of his way, and we're going to see the, the, the things that he does to help this man. He, he stops his journey, and he goes over. Look at verse 34. He went over to him, bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal. He, 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 beat the, he, he bent down. He, he, he cared for the man. He tended to his wounds. He picked him up. He put him on his own animal and took him to an inn to take care of them. You see, he went out of his way. He's not a doctor, but he says in this situation, I'm going to do what I can. I, I may not be able to take care of this guy completely, but I'm going to do what I can. This man, I'm sure, did not wake up that morning saying, I'm going to go find a half-dead guy to take care of. It interrupted his journey, and compassion interrupts. There have been many times when Brandy and I have, have had the opportunity to pause our life, and our life, it, it, it's not just full-time, 40 hours a week ministry. Our life is ministry. And so it is great to be able to, at times, just love on each other. A, a date night get away to a beach overnight, get away to a movie. It's great. And so in the middle of planting Hope Hill Church, man, we were going 100, 200 hours a week. Are there even 200 hours in a week? And we just decided one night we were going to push pause. We were going to go to a movie. We were going to have dinner together and just a night together. And so we set out to do just that. In doing that, we went... Uh, on the, we got on the road and we drove up. Uh, we realized we needed to put gas in the car and we stopped at a gas station right in the corner of basically 95 and uh, 234. We had lived in the area, man, close to 20 years. And as I was pumping gas, I saw something I had never seen before. I looked over at the car and I saw a trailer park. We later came to know it as Grayson Village. As I was pumping gas... Uh, I was kind of puzzled, like, I've never seen this trailer park before. And it's not just a small little trailer park. There's like 160 homes back there, a significant neighborhood. And my heart began to feel drawn to it. So I just thought, you know what, I'll come check it out next week. It's our date night. So I get in the car, and, and as I start the car, Brandy turns to me and says, did you realize there's a trailer park right there? And I said, you know, I actually was blown away that she noticed it as well. And we had been at that gas station several times, never seen it. And she said, I think we should drive through there. The same thing that was on my heart was, and it's so awesome when God speaks to both of us in a confirming way like that. And you know what? Date night that night became us driving through a neighborhood and praying for that neighborhood. Praying that God would help us to meet the needs of the people there and 
to see what unique ways. And that led to eventually our first free sale. But long story short, compassion interrupts. Are we going to see life's interruptions as annoying uh, distractions or divine opportunities? Many times we can feel too busy. And the truth is, is oftentimes we're in such a rush that we will often miss the things that God might want to do in our life. We're so busy and focused on our own agendas that we will miss those God-given opportunities. And so the first thing I want to do is I want to ask you to begin asking God to open up your heart and your eyes to see things the way that he sees them. To, in the midst of your day, be in tune to the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I believe you will start to see God move because he's always moving. And then, like we learned a couple weeks ago, when we see God moving, we get up from where we are and we follow him. I bet you this week you might be at work and somebody might come into work who just found out they have breast cancer. And you know what you do when you're in tune to the Holy Spirit? You reach out. You offer to pray. You show compassion that leads you to action. It might be somebody else that comes into work and uh, a young man finds out that his wife is leaving him for another man. And you're going to reach out. You're going to show care. And compassion will lead you to action. You might find out somebody else has lost a job and you reach out and you take care of them. You offer to meet their needs. Uh, maybe you find out somebody's getting asked to leave their apartment because they can't afford to make the rent. And maybe your community group chips in together to help pay. Because to say that we care and not act is to not care at all. But we're going to be people of compassion. And compassion interrupts. And we will see God those interruptions as God's divine opportunities. Number two, compassion costs. Look what happens in Luke chapter 10, 35. The next day, the Samaritan took out two silver coins. This is estimated to be a full day's wage. I mean, that's not just five bucks so that some lady can buy milk for her kids. This is significant. This young man, well, I don't know if he was young. The Samaritan man pulls out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. And he says, look after him, he said, and I will return and I will see if there's anything else that you need. I'll reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. So this is putting into action the, the call of God that says when somebody asks you to walk a mile with them, walk with them too. When someone asks you for your coat, give them your tunic as well. This is going above and beyond to meet people's real needs, even if it costs me, even if it inconveniences me. This is a lesson that I saw often taught to me by my own brother. And many of you have seen this in Pastor Gary. Many of us are going to miss him, especially because he has this heart. No matter what the cost of his time or his money, Gary is the first person who is willing to give up whatever is needed to be given up. I remember as a young teenager, 
he, we both were offered a job passing out flyers for a realtor that went to our church. And I would rather do other things, but Gary took the job and passed out flyers. And what ended up happening was every time one of the houses sold that where Gary put a flyer, Gary would be given $100. I saw Gary make multiple $100 uh, wins during that season. Uh, myself, I would have been spending it left and right on whatever was the next latest and greatest thing, but Gary was a person who saved. I remember this time that Gary became aware of a need and he quickly just gave up his $100. That is the kind of person that God calls us all to be, to realize that compassion costs. Some of us were gonna be able to give money. Others of us were gonna be able to give time. Some of us will be able to give both. Compassion costs. And number three, compassion changes lives. You see, the mission of Hope Hill Church is we exist to glorify God, to transform lives and impact the world. And when we want to see true compassion, we've got oh, tr true transformation. We've got to be willing to be people of compassion. Compassion changes lives. Look at Jesus throughout all the Gospels. Again, you can ignore all the other parts of the scripture. If you just turn to just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over again, you will see the love of Jesus result in compassion, which leads to action. And it wasn't just for the religious elite. It wasn't just for those who deserved it. Jesus went out of his way to care for soldiers who were against uh, the religious establishments. He went out of his way to care for officials, for widows, for children, for prostitutes, and treacherous tax collectors. Jesus' love knows no bounds. His love is extended to all, and his love changes lives. Look at the people who were touched by Jesus' love and compassion, and look how many of them were transformed and became fully devoted followers and disciples of his. Many of us will miss these opportunities because we're too busy, we think we don't have enough to give, and we will just walk on by. I remember being a junior in high school and uh, an opportunity to go on a missions trip with our youth group. We went to uh, Jamaica, which I was so excited about. Who isn't excited about going to a uh, uh, an island in the Caribbean. And as we got there, I was kind of blown away. Um, it, I, I thought Caribbean life was, island life was for the rich and the famous. But there were so many hurt and broken and poor people on this island. Many living in shacks made of cardboard and um, metal roofs uh, with dirt floors. And as we spent the week there, my heart just began to break. I remember one particular time we went and served in an orphanage. Uh, there was probably 50, 60 kids there and, and just two workers, babies crying everywhere, many crippled, many with open wounds and sores. 
And many of them, all they wanted was to simply be held, to be loved on, to know that somebody was there to care for them. As a 17-year-old junior in high school, holding those children, I even now I remember some of their eyes as they looked at us, just starving for attention and affection. And my heart just broke for them. You see, true compassion that leads to action will often change others' lives. But the most important thing is it will change your life. As we step out into the hands of Jesus and become his hands and feet and the lives of others, we will make an impact in this world. But the lives will first be transformed many times as our own. We will begin to see the world as Jesus sees it. We will begin to have hearts that beat for the things that Jesus' heart beats for. And we will become like him. The more we begin to care, the closer we will be drawn to Jesus. And the closer we draw to Jesus, the more we will begin to care. The book of James tells us the kind of religion that Jesus desires is the kind of religion that cares for orphans and widows. Do you want to see your heart changed, your life changed? Begin to work the work that changes others' lives. In that process of helping others, Jesus will change you. When we walk on by, we will often miss the opportunities to impact someone else's life. But more importantly, we will miss the opportunity to, of, of God to impact our life. We are called by God to care. We are called to show love. Jesus said, by this, others will know that you are my disciples when they see your love for one another. Not love that just wants converts that we can count on a tally sheet that we turn into some denomination. Not just seeing growth charts for our budgets and for our attendance grow, but to see that true love and action is growing. Are we counting the number of hours people are serving, even if there is no apparent fruit? In the neighborhood where we've bought a Hope House, there have been times people have asked, well, what kind of fruit is, is being produced from your action there? You know, sometimes it takes five, six years for us to see someone come to Christ. But even if it was just one, it's all worth it. We as a church are going to be people who care. This led to us doing free sales. This has led to us doing Christmas partnerships. This leads to us to doing things like what's coming up right around the corner, school supply drives, where we're giving out backpacks in times of need, full of the necessities that kids and families need. To us, we're giving birth to an organization called Hope for Nova and buying a house before we even buy a worship center so that we can truly love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus said this as he closed the story in Luke chapter 10, 36 and 37. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man 
who fell into the hands of the robber. The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that we as your disciples, as your called ones, would have eyes that see the world the way you see it, that have hearts that are beating with compassion the way that yours beats with compassion. Your love and compassion for us drove you to action to come to our earth and become one of us, to live a life in perfection and setting the example for us, but ultimately to take our sin and brokenness upon yourself, to die on a cross, bearing the weight of our sin and shame so that you and I can be forgiven. Jesus, you made it possible for us to receive your love, your compassion, your forgiveness by us simply confessing that we need you, confessing that we are sinners, confessing that we need to turn our, from living lives our own way and instead submit to you as Savior and Lord and let you lead us. If you're listening today and you've never understood the depth of God's love for you, that led him to a cross to die for you and to die for me, today your first step towards becoming a person of compassion is accepting the love of a compassionate God into your life and the forgiveness that he offers. The Bible says that all of us are born in sin. But Jesus in his love for us saw us as sheep without a shepherd and came to give us healing by shedding the blood of his life and making it possible for you and I to be forgiven. He bore the weight of our sin and shame. And all we have to do is confess that we need him. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that he died for you and you confess with your mouth that you need him to be your Lord, then at that moment you will be saved. That his Holy Spirit will come and begin to live in you and transform you into the person he wants you to be. If that's the prayer you need to pray right now, I pray that you would pray with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for dying for me. Forgive me for the trying to live life on my own. I died in myself. Help me to be made alive in you. Help me to begin to see the world the way you see it and to begin to have a heart of care and compassion for others. And God, I also pray that this is the prayer for each and every person out there who is a believer, that we would not just believe knowing that you've blessed us and that one day we will be with you in heaven, but we would see the mission that we have here on this earth now, to be your hands and feet and to live in the way that you lived, having compassion for others. So God, help us to have lives that are open, hearts that are open, eyes that are open to see things the way you see them and to be drawn to action so that we might win the right to be heard, to meet people's needs and to help them to see the love that you truly have for them. God, be our leader in this. In your name we pray. Amen. I love you. I love that we get to be a church that does some amazing things to make a difference in the lives of those that God has placed around us. 
If you would like to learn more about how you can join us in our acts of compassion through our Hope for Nova ministries or even just in the community through our various efforts, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us. I love you. I can't wait to see you in person. The time is coming soon. I believe it. But for now, I'll be praying for you. And I can't wait to see you again soon.